0: Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. Every time I think I know most of the important developments of World War II, I am immediately reminded that there is so much more to be discovered. My guest today writes about another part of the World War II story. Colin F. Baxter is Professor Emeritus of History at East Tennessee State University, former chair of the Department of History. He's author of The Secret History of RDX, the super explosive that helped win World War II. The book is published by University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon and all the usual places. Colin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ira. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. What got you interested in this particular part of the World War II story, which, as I mentioned in the opening, you think you know everything, and then all of a sudden, another thing develops. And it, it, well, books are keep, yeah. constantly being published about the subject.
1: I know uh, bookshelves are heavy with World War II books. And as other historians have said, is there anything new to say about World War II? And I would say, yes, <laughs> there is a story. And perhaps it isn't particularly sexy when you talk about munitions, but they were important. We often concentrate on strategy and tactics and generals, and we forget the munitions aspect of the war. And it's always surprised me, why isn't there anything written about RDX? Nothing is focused just on that. And yet, of course, a bomb is useless, a grenade is useless, a torpedo is useless without the explosive. That's the whole point. And so that's one incentive I've had to work on this. And besides, over the years, I've met quite a few people who worked locally on the largest RDX plant in the world. And I'm right now, I'm just about four or five miles from that plant. Amazing. So there was that personal interest in it too. Now they're making different explosives out of that plant. But during World War II, it was the largest. Manufacturing facility of RDX, the most powerful explosive in the world before the atomic
0: bomb. And the rush in your book, you talk about the rush to develop RDX because of obviously the threat to England and the, I would call it the Anglo American cooperation, although there was also some degree of tension between the two camps in terms of developing RDX. So, how did they come to discover RDX? And that it would have that application to be such a major explosive prior to, obviously, the atomic bomb. But also the fact that there was a, a cooperation to develop it, to manufacture it, I should say, in large quantities. And that's where the Americans come in because of, obviously, the that's plants. True.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Ira. And I would add the Canadians, too, who participated in the development process. And that's how I approached it, looking at the development the production and then how is it used for heaven's sake? That's the whole end product. Yes, uh, the fact is the U.S. Army at the beginning of World War II or even before well, we were, when we were neutral, the U.S. Army had already decided we're good with TNT or we'll stay with TNT. But the British had found a way to produce RDX, and they're the ones that gave it the name, by the way. Some people, when I talk about RDX, I say, do you mean the Acura model car? <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the research development explosive, <laughs> and that's what it was, the research department explosive. And the British, at their arsenal at Woolwich along the Thames, they found a way to make it less volatile
0: and less unstable was, in other words
1: unstable i mean it wasn't a new explosive as you've already mentioned for decades chemists had known about what was then called well uh cyclotrimethylene trinitramine say that so, three times real fast cyclotrimethylene trinitramine don't ask me to spell it please so but that's what it was chemically and the British at Woolwich, well, they decided to shorten it and, and just call it RDX, Research Department Explosive. Believe it or not, that the way they desensitized it or made it safer to use. And that had been the problem because it had been known for a long, long time about the power. RDX was the most powerful explosive in existence. But the problem was it was very uh, difficult stuff to work with and very dangerous and also more expensive than existing TNT, which was the workhorse explosive. But at Woolwich Arsenal in the late 30s, they came up with a way of making it safer, and that was the key. And and it's one of those odd facts that to make it safer – They desensitized it with TNT. So, and uh, also for good measure, they added a small amount of beeswax. Amazing uh, combination,
0: yeah! Amazing combination of those kind of ingredients.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, it was 60% RDX, 39% TNT, and the rest was beeswax. Now, I should say, eventually, America would find a substitute for beeswax. There weren't enough bees in the world, you know, to provide all the wax. So Woolwich—that's their con- contribution. They came up with a safe method of making RDX, but in small batches, could make large quantities, and it was a slow process. This is 1939, 1940, and uh, the U.S. is neutral. The British were anxious to get the U.S. to start producing RDX, but the uh, Ordnance Department was more or less committed to TNT. And this is where the National Defense Research Committee, established by FDR in 1940, that's where they come in and the civilian academic chemists were urging, look, this RDX is twice as powerful as TNT. We need to start producing it in a faster process. So c- certain individuals were so important During this period, we take it for granted that eventually we're going to produce tons and tons of of this high explosive, super explosive. But writing the book reminded me that nothing's inevitable. And certainly that's the case with RDX. There are many obstacles. And like I say, there are many people who did not see any need to proceed with it. Particularly, it's, it's still a dangerous explosive.
0: And, of course, when you talk about obstacles, there's the bureaucratic obstacles that uh, you talk yes. about, and individuals yes. as well. Tell us about General Groves and the importance of his contribution.
1: Oh, he's he's a critical figure in explosives of World War II. Of course, he also oversaw the building of the Pentagon, too, one of his accomplishments. And uh, he's a, he'll, he will always be associated with the Manhattan Project and developing the atomic bomb, but in many ways the RDX story is a precursor for what happened down at Oak Ridge, which is a hundred over a hundred miles from where I'm sitting right now. And uh, General Leslie Groves was one of those get her done types. Don't, not tomorrow, now, and that's so essential. And uh, fortunately, RDX had similar people with that kind of of drive, if you want to call it. No excuses, just get it done. One and of Groves did it. He was one of the initial, he was responsible for overseeing the construction project, uh, Holston Ordnance Works, where it will be mass produced. He was responsible for getting that started. So there is a strong connection between Leslie Groves and RDX and, of course, the, the, the atomic project too the Manhattan Project.
0: What about the contribution also of Admiral Blandy? How's he fit oh, into this story? Oh,
1: yes, he's one of my heroes. <laughs> Admiral Blandy, uh, one of the WHP Blandy, <laughs> three initials, and uh, his nickname was Spike. He was head of the Naval Bureau of Ordnance. And uh, if it weren't for Blandy, I'm not sure we, we would have got to first base because he was the first one to really, in America, to realize how important it was for the Navy. We've got to have this stuff. And uh, and the Army was dragging its feet. And if it weren't for Blandy insisting that we have a plant that makes RDX, I'm not sure it would have happened. And so the first RDX plant was out at Warbash Ordnance Works, out in Indiana. Now, that was in, uh, got uh, approved in 1941 before Pearl Harbor. So uh, Blandy is a crucial figure in all of this. And the Navy is very important. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got to the Holston
0: Ordnance Works. Here's a, a challenging question, and it's perfect for a historian. If the atomic bomb had not been developed for whatever reason or delayed, mm. Mm -hmm. Would the use of RDX brought a conclusion to World War II?
1: Uh, Eventually, yes. I think we were that close to ending the war by 1945, although a lot of people in the Pacific thought it would last another year. And And, of course, the war did end with a suddenness that surprised everyone, including at the Holston Ordnance Works plant. So yes, my take on it is would we have had the uh, the fat boy bomb, the, the plutonium bomb, if we hadn't had composition B, as it was called RDX, was event, the final end product, once you had TNT and, and the wax and so on, was called Comp B or Composition B. And that was the critical to the trigger mechanism of the plutonium bomb, the Nagasaki bomb. So if we hadn't had Comp B, I think you could make an argument we wouldn't have had that second bomb.
0: In Europe, of course, the war ended one way. The war with Japan ended differently because of the use of atomic bombs. would it, would it have been, and it's kind of part of that same question I just asked you, would it have been possible to use sufficient quantities of RDX to get the results that we did with the atomic bombs over Japan? Or, in other words, would that still have ended the war? Or would that still have gone? And I'm, I know it's, it's its its an opinion, but it, you're an informed opinion. <laughs> yeah, it so. is,
1: yes, you're right. That is a, a very provocative, well, controversial opinion, let's say. And uh, others would argue that uh, Japan was already defeated by the blockade, the naval blockade. And, of, and of course, uh, RDX in the form of Torpex really helped destroy the Japanese Navy and merchant fleet because our torpedo submarine commanders really appreciated the superior value of Torpex. Aluminum was a critical ingredient that really increased the underwater effect of the explosive. And uh, and certainly, submarine commanders said it packed a wallop (laughs) and sank. And they were very unhappy with TNT torpedoes. So they were delighted to get Torpex-filled torpedoes. So it certainly helped
0: there, as it did with, of course, an air power too. Going back to that same question I asked, though, in, in a different way, do you think, though, that I know it's a controversial issue as to whether or not we had to use atomic bombs uh, yes. in, over Japan, but what if we had used RDX? Would we have had the same effect? Although it would require, obviously, more airplanes and more yes. trips over
1: there. Because, because the, uh, others uh, certainly have broken it down, and the Nagasaki bomb equaled about 22,000, maybe 30,000 tons of TNT. Now, of course, if you'd used um, regular uh, or, or Composition B or RDX in our bombing campaign of Japan, it might have speeded up things. But if I remember correctly, in our air campaign against Japan, we tended to use incendiaries. Low-flying incendiaries, rather than high-altitude bombing. So uh, I'm not sure it could have. Uh, uh, it can be argued that if we had produced more RDX faster, more quickly, and replaced t- regular TNT sooner,
0: perhaps it might have ended the war sooner. Yes, I o- I always know that people don't want to see the sausage being made but i'm fascinated by how people do their research and given your background as i mentioned in the beginning a professor emeritus of history at east tennessee state university and former chair of the department of history you obviously have a very professional approach to researching the well, different you. subjects Prior to yes. yes so in this particular subject in this particular book when you're writing it how did you approach it did you try to reach i know it it happened in World War II, so there's not a lot of people around yet to well, interview. Sadly. Yes. Sadly. But clearly there's some archival material available, and perhaps even some film interviews that were in the archives when these people were alive, etc. How did you approach the research for this?
1: Well, oddly enough, IRA, no, there are no films, filmed interviews. There are some uh, au- uh, audio histories on tape, of people who came later but as you say as far as first-hand accounts by some of the key people at the time no like Blandy for example no, no first-hand accounts or James Conan who was a uh, uh, one-time director of the uh, uh, National Defense Research Committee James Conant, who was so active, involved in, without him, I don't think RDX would have been pushed in the US. And, of course, Conant worked on the atomic bomb as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, there weren't too many actual firsthand people around when I started this project in the 1980s. Fortunately, there were a few and particularly many females, many women who worked out at Holston Ordnance Works. And I did speak to them and talk to them of what it was like out there and, and uh, what they had to go through, the stress and strain, working with one of the most explosive uh, substances in the world, you know. <laughs> did it bother you? <laughs> no, I was in love with my husband. <laughs> had some of the things on my mind. And others, of course, really were concerned about this ticklish stuff if you don't handle it right. All the floors were kept wet. You didn't want any sparks or anything. And one of the remarkable facts about the whole process, production process, is they had no explosions, no deaths producing RDX or Comp B at Holston Ordnance
0: Works, which is five miles from where I am right now. That's so quite uh, a
1: safety record. It
0: absolutely yeah. is. It's clearly, yeah, safety first in that, in that case. And I, they, should, I
1: should mention Tennessee Eastman Corporation operated the, the, the
0: massive largest facility. TEC. Out, uh, yep. yep TEC. TEC. Did you have a eureka moment? Because you mentioned you were working on this book since the 80s. So you obviously had a chance, as you mentioned, to talk with some people that were around Yes. Did you have that eureka moment when you went into whatever archives one goes into and you found something that had been fallow for decades and all of a sudden you go, wow, look at this. Did you have that yes, moment?
1: I did. When I came across a reference to, in 1943, a plant was completed. They were in production. Amazing, phenomenal rate of production every day. And then I came across the fact that the Army supply Services, whoever commanded, I, I won't mention any names. The, the person who commanded the Army supply Services did not want to increase production, at least not at the rate that was highly recommended. And so it went to FDR. It actually went to the White House to get his support, take on what should be done. And so, yes, they increased production 100 percent. That was a, sort of an amazing uh, fact to me that it actually went that high up to FDR for his
0: take on it. And he agreed and, and pushed it, or yes. at least his people pushed it once he made that decision. Yes,
1: yes. I think it, they got the
0: message. There's another element of this, and it's called dam busters. Tell us a little bit about dam busters. Well, for those of, us, those of us who are old enough
1: might remember the 1954 movie based on the Dam Busters raid. 1943, it was a Royal Air Force attack on the dams on the Ruhr River in Germany, the heart of their industrial war-making power. And so uh, the, the Royal Air Force made the attack in May of 1943, and it couldn't have been done without RDX, because the bombs were filled with RDX. And it's remembered because they used bouncing bombs across the lakes in front of the dams, so that they bounced across over the nets that guarded the dams. There were torpedo nets that guarded those dams. So they had to bounce across the water, and as soon as they hit the dam, they dropped down and then exploded and the shock wave and of course basically explosives are intended to create shock waves and the shock wave burst the dam and so that was unfortunately the, the casualties the losses on on the dam bust in raids were something like 40% so it was terribly costly for air crews uh those dams were heavily guarded of course with numerous anti aircraft guns, etc. They did serious damage uh, and flooded a huge area and it took a lot of workers. Now, of course, the Nazis had a lot of slave labor to help restore everything that had been destroyed. So uh, with efficiency, they were back in business before too long. But that was the famous Ben
0: Buster's Raid. I highly recommend the movie. I and you probably it. could see it on Turner Classic Movies. So even yes. if you're not of that age, you can certainly go and watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. Turner, Turner Classic Movies or else go to YouTube. What's been the reaction to the book from people that you you mentioned earlier, talking with some of the people that had worked there? They may not be alive today, but they're, they're uh, heirs or – Relatives have had a chance to read your book. Have you heard back from people that were involved in some way even through members of their extended family with the development of RDX and what was their reaction to reading your book?
1: Well, they're so glad that somebody finally decided to uh, write a book on this subject and yes, recognize the contribution of the people of this area. Which is often overlooked. Everyone's familiar with Oak Ridge near atomic bomb, but uh, no one's heard of Holston Ordnance Works and what happened near Kingsport, which, by the way, it took twenty thousand people to build
0: the Holston Ordnance Works. Yeah, that's that's quite a figure. I'm
1: coming.
0: I'm... I'm coming back to a question that I asked you earlier because I I just have that facility that I didn't feel it was totally answered. So I'm going to come back to it, which is what, what brought you to that particular subject of the development of RDX? Was it because you lived in the area and you became aware of it? Or was there something within your studies or other just general knowledge that you picked that particular, again, going back to the 80s, you picked that particular subject to write about?
1: Well, I was thoroughly familiar with World War II. Uh, having written some other material bearing on the war. And, uh, it surprised me that nothing had been written about RDX. We talk about the B 17, 24, 29, uh, Lancaster bomber and, and, and so forth and the, and the various weaponry. But what's the point of all that? If you don't have an explosive, <laughs> you're risking men's lives. But you had, a, you had an reference?
0: awareness of RDXN at an early stage. You just didn't yes. realize that no one had bothered to write about it. Exactly. Exactly. And as far as I know, this is the first actual
1: book that focuses on that one explosive. And, uh, and the plant, by the way, is still there now. It's now called Army uh, Ammunition Plant, the uh, U.S. Army Ammunition Plant no longer is it called Holston Ordnance Works, and
0: it's now operated by BAE Systems. Do they have a sense of the history of the plant, the people that work there now? Is there some historical uh, feeling to it?
1: They saved the flagpole, the original flagpole in front of the administration building. (laughs) They they certainly have uh, saved that. But are they aware
0: that they're working in the same plant that developed this during World War II?
1: Well, it has changed a lot, and it is top secret. It was top secret then, just like Oak Ridge. Right. And it's still secret now,
0: because they are still producing uh, what we need for national defense. What's the biggest takeaway you would like readers to take away from your book?
1: Well, many things. I, th- I think that n- nothing is inevitable. But there are many... <sighs> turns in the, in the path to, to achievement. And without people, the, the management and the workers at Holston, without people, as you've mentioned, Admiral Blandy, James Conant, and a Michigan scientist who developed the process, a better process to produce it, and, uh, and uh, Kistiakowski, who was a great proponent of RDX. So it, the individual is always important and you're going to run into bureaucratic opposition. <laughs> so you better have a good argument, you know, and pressure. And uh, so that's one uh, thing I hope they take away, and also the importance of, well, the, you know, the sacrifices that were made, particularly now when we talk about unity. Uh, this was a time of national unity, and people suffered and sacrificed and went through a lot of, Stress and strain, and, and 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 think of all the workers—about eight thousand of them—every uh, day uh, taking buses to the plant, and wasn't pleasant. Very hard. So
0: that's what I hope people take away: that sense of sacrifice to the common cause. It's something good to take away, no doubt. Are you working on a new book about anything regarding World War Two, or? that you would like to share? Uh,
1: I can't think of anything. No, okay.
0: more <laughs> two at the w- w- Would you agree with me that I every time I think I've read every book on World War II, another one pops up? So there's so much more still to come out about World War II.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was reading recently about another one, about the days between uh, Pearl Harbor and before Hitler finally decided to join the war effort. So, yes, there is a constant stream of books, as there should be. History has to be reassessed every time. And especially these days, we know that uh, sometimes history has taken a wrong path and needs to be brought back. To so the, we search for the truth, and we will, uh, and then we do our best to achieve it, knowing that we're only human, of course. And reflect the era in which we live.
0: Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been. Colin F. Baxter, he's Professor Emeritus of History at East Tennessee State University and former chair of the Department of History. He's author of The Secret History of RDX, the super explosive that helped win World War II. The book is published by University Press of Kentucky and available on Amazon and all the usual places. Colin, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you, R. It's been a pleasure discussing. RDX with someone who's interested in it. (laughs) Appreciate it. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.